0: Hey, Welcome to Freedom House. I am so glad that you are with us today. Uh, My name is Penny Maxwell. Uh, Some of you I may not know, so I wanted to introduce myself. Um, My husband and I are the senior pastors here at Freedom House. And if you didn't know this, if maybe you are new, we actually have a teaching team here at Freedom House. Why do we do that? Because we have multiple campuses all across the city, and we want to give you a fresh, live word from God. In other words, we're not a video venue. We want you to have somebody on the platform teaching and speaking. And what we do is we believe that God raises and develops and disciples other leaders. This is not the Troy and Penny show. Did you know that? It's not the Troy and Penny show. It never has been. It never will be. So we love to give our authority away to be able to train up and raise up other leaders to speak and teach. So today across the city, you have me here with you, which I'm really excited about. Uh, My husband is at our South End location, and then Justin Griffith, who I know you know and love, is at our Lake Norman campus. So we love, love, love what we get to do, and I love being a part of the teaching team. Well, we are in a series right now called First Things First. Everybody say, First Things First. First Things First. In other words, what that means is, is order is important. I learned that the day that I said yes to Jesus, I made a commitment to put him first in my life, but how many of you know that after I made that decision, I had to actually follow up with and manage the decision that I would that I made, right? Also, Not only did I make that decision to follow Jesus, but I also made a decision in my human relationships. When I said yes to Troy Maxwell on September 26, 1992, 27 years ago, I said yes to Troy Maxwell to put him first in all of my human relationships. I made that decision, but then I have to make sure I manage that decision—it's not just something you say one time, but it's something you have to keep on managing. Anybody with me? Yes. So, because order is important, I thought I would do a little demonstration and show you that fact. So, I have two glasses right here. This is kind of fun. I don't normally get to do, you know, demonstrations unless it's cooking on TV. Um, For those of you who didn't know, I did that. But anyway, I I like to do this sort of stuff because I want to hit home this point to you about how important order is. What happens oftentimes in our life is we have so many things that come up that are like, fighting for our attention. We're like, oh, I forgot to pack the kids' lunches. I got to pack their lunches. Oh, we have Disney on ice. I forgot Disney on ice is in town. Oh, you know what? I really want to go play golf today. That one was for my husband. Oh, I really have bills I need to pay. I have all these things that I need to do. And by the time you know it, all of these things, my, my jar, my life, my glass is half full already. But you see, the thing is, is there's big rocks and little rocks in our life. Here's the big rocks. The big rocks are the things that are the most important. The things that should go first. The things that matter. This sand represents the little rocks of our life. Why? Because sand is just, if you look at it really closely, it's just little tiny particles of rock. But what oftentimes happens if we aren't careful... We spend all of our time, all of our resources, everything we have on the little rocks. And then when the things that are important come along, we are like, okay, wait, I've got these things to do. These are all priority. I know that I need to get them done. But wait, I can't fit anymore. And I still have a whole glass of things that were supposed to be top priority. But they won't fit in my glass. Why is that? Because I got order wrong. but see the exact same measurements done in proper order, it's amazing what can happen. If I understand that I put first things first, I let the right things take priority of my life, I understand, I get up, I read my Bible. That's very important to me. That's a non-negotiable. That's a big rock. You see, the reason I'm doing this for you today is I wanted to show you something that I talk to my staff about on a regular basis. Because sometimes my staff or my team will say, I didn't have time to do that. I couldn't get to that. Or if people come to me and say, I've got financial problems. I'm struggling. And I'm like, let's talk big rocks, little rocks. Let's talk about that. What are you putting in first? First things first. Your priorities, the things that matter most, are what should come first. So we already said praying, right? Reading the Bible. Those are all things that need to come. What about going to church? Should that be a priority? Right? Giving God the first. Yes. What about spending time with my husband? That's pretty important, right? To have a good marriage. Well, that one was really quiet. Do I need to teach on marriage today? (laughs) Do I need to? I mean, I can change course, and we can talk about marriage if I need to. (laughs) Spending time with my husband is important. I have three children, and making sure that I have family time. That's very important to me. Now, I don't want to be a Pharisee, so I would say some of your rocks, this should be. Um, I can't say it's one of my big rocks, although it should be, but working out, health, we're just going to say that should be a big rock, right? Right? But I can't stand up here and lie to you. But it, it, it should be a big rock, so we're going to go ahead and put that one in, right? Anybody need that to be a big rock in their life? So what happens is, is if we put the right things in first, the big rocks, the things that are most important, then when all the little other things that come and try to take up our time and our energies, it's okay because we put first things first if we don't do that we're going to be left with all of the big things that aren't done because we didn't put things in the right priority and in the kingdom of God order matters in your life order matters our priorities really determine what we do first what is your priority we're going to talk about that today, and I want to tell you that sometimes what happens is, is we are more reactive than we are proactive. We're reacting to what's happened instead of intentionally planning and being proactive. One of them, you get what you get. The other, you determine what happens. And even if something happens that you weren't anticipating, if you have put first thing first, you still have margin. You still have margin. So let's jump into the Bible and see what Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 says. It says, So don't worry about things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Several translations say, Seek first. The kingdom of God and live righteously, and He will give you everything that you need. When we talk about priorities, most of us would say that it's God, it's family, ministry, work, and so on. But there are two ways that I can tell you everything in your life that's priority. There's two ways. If I were to look at your calendar, I can tell you what you spend your time on and who you spend it on. If I were to look at your checkbook, I can tell you where your money goes. And all I have to do is look through and see what's priority in your life. There is a litmus test for this. We can absolutely look at our calendars and say, what took priority this week? What should have taken priority this week? We can look in our checkbook and say, what took priority this month? What should have taken priority this month? Because sometimes we're left with more month than we are paycheck. Why is that? What happens? Because somewhere along the line, something got off. Our priorities got off something transpired and we're going to dive into that today and we're going to dig into some scriptures I want to ask you this question how many of you think that it might be important to talk about faith you think it might be pretty important because the bible says without faith it is what Impossible to please God. So what God is saying is, you know what? This is something that you need to have. So much so that I'm going to talk about it 215 times in the Bible. 215 times I'm going to talk about faith. I think God might be trying to say it's important. If your mother or father said something to you 215 times, do you think it might be important? Okay, let me, let me help. If your wife said something to you 215 times, you're like, oh, she does. <laughs> but if she did, she's basically trying to get your attention and tell you what's what, something that you need to know. 215 times. Salvation. How many of you think it might be important? Salvation might be something we might need to know about, right? Right? Because that is actually how we get to the Father is through the Son. Salvation, 218 times in the Bible. Because it's in there 218 times, I might want to pay attention to it. I might want to discuss it, talk about it. That's how I'm going to spend eternity. If I don't understand it, there's probably something I'm going to need to find out. Because it's important. What about church? Ecclesia in the Greek is what it's called. Ecclesia in the New Testament. What in the world? We know that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And and when Jesus died and rose again, the New Testament church was established. How many times in the New Testament, in the Greek, was church, Ecclesia, mentioned a hundred and fourteen times in the New Testament. hundred and fourteen times means I think God might care about his bride. I think he might be trying to tell us something about his bride. We might want to understand about the church. But in the same note, what I find so interesting is when I looked up how many times in the Bible money is talked about, 2058 why that's all the others combined isn't even a quarter of that 2058 more than than faith than salvation and the church that Jesus died for why is he talking 2058 scriptures on finances Is there something maybe he's trying to get our attention on, want us to pay attention to? There is, and it all has to do with this scripture right here. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, where the money goes, the man follows. Let me talk to you about something. For those of you in here that are married or want to be married, if I stood up here and said, I want to talk to you today about marriage and the godly perspective on marriage and how to make your marriage better, how to make your married life go HNL whole nother level, most of you would be so excited about that because you want your marriage to grow, you want to do better. You you wouldn't wince when I talk about marriage and go, "Oh, oh, she said marriage." Oh. Unless maybe you had a wrong perspective and a bad experience. What about if I talked about leadership and said, "I want to talk to you today about leadership. I want to teach you how to be a better father, how to be a better mother, how to be a better boss, how to take things next level in your life as a leader, how to lead at home, in the office, the PTA, whatever it is you're leading, I want to help you go to the next level in your leadership. If you were excited about going to the next level in your leadership, you would be like, yeah, I want to hear about that. Awesome. Unless there was something wrong, there was something off and it made you kind of wince a little bit. And the same thing, maybe you're one of those people that you just love evangelism. If I was up here and I was teaching you five ways to soul win, how to reach your neighbor, how to reach your coworker, your boss, whatever, and you loved soul winning Because you know that in Proverbs it says, He that wins souls is wise. And you say, I want to learn about soul winning. And I began to teach on evangelism. And you you started to curl a little bit. And oh, she's talking about evangelism. You, You wouldn't do that unless there was something internally wrong going on. Because you want to do better. You want to grow in that area of your life. But... How is it sometimes when we talk about generosity, when we talk about biblical finances, when we talk about wanting to go another level, wanting to do better, wanting to learn and grow and break generational curses that have been in our family for years, we want to learn God's perspective on money. How come even saying the word money sometimes, people, they wince. I don't understand that. If we truly want to grow and get God's perspective, unless we've had a bad experience, and that bad experience is tarnishing the way that we view biblical finances. So what I would suggest to you today is that maybe there are some things we're going to discuss that if there is something internally off, why don't you give that over to God today? Because every area of your life, He wants to be first. He doesn't want to be second in any area of your life. I've seen two things that people usually wince over when we talk about them. And they're the two things that I love to talk about the most. Probably because I love to correct wrong thinking. I love for people... You see, I think the devil oftentimes tries to confuse us in order to get us to shrink back. But what I've learned is is that when I truly believe and trust God, I'm willing to hear just about anything. So my two favorite subjects to talk about are sex and money. Y'all are awful quiet in here. <laughs> the men, y'all should be in me right now. Y'all should be in me. Because see, here's the thing. What happens is, is in the world, the world is talking about sex in a wrong perspective. And so if I begin to talk about that and you wince, it's because something in you has seen something wrong and you don't have a right perspective of it. Sex is godly. God made sex. And everyone said, Amen. amen. <laughs> the problem is when you don't follow things appropriately, a fire is a really good thing, but you take it out of the fireplace and you move it to the middle of the living room floor, your house is going to burn down. Sex isn't the problem. Money isn't the problem. It's how we handle it that's the problem. So in order to course correct, we've got to have some healthy, grown-up dialogue because ignorance and immaturity go hand-in-hand hand with fear. And fear is the reason many of us don't like talking about those things. There is some fear internally, but Hosea chapter 4 says people perish for lack of knowledge. So if we are not ignorant to what the Bible has to say, we won't perish for lack of knowledge. When my kids were little, I have um, one that's married. The second child of mine gets married this Friday. Oh, my gosh. The third one, she's in college, and we want her to wait a long time. (laughs) But when they were all little and they would play toys, the girls with their Barbies, my son with his fire trucks and everything that goes zoom, zoom. Um, And another kid would walk over and try to pick up that fire truck. You know what, my son, never one time ever do I remember him ever saying, yours, (laughs) yours, yours, and push the truck over. Not one time. Not two years old, not three years old, not four years old. Why is that? Because there's something deep in us that is in our sin nature, in our flesh nature, that says, mine, mine. Not one time did my children, none of the three of them, did they ever hear me walking around the house going, mine, mine, Or when they grabbed my hairbrush or took something of mine out of my closet, never did I go, Mine! They didn't learn that from me. They learned it from their father, Adam. (laughs) Y'all thought I was going to say Troy. It goes way back further than Troy. It's their sin nature. It's their flesh. And so... When they're two years old, I understand them saying, mine. But when they're 25, it's not so cute and funny anymore. They should be a little more grown up than that, a little bit more mature than that. But do you know sometimes that's exactly what we do in our relationship with God We're supposed to be grown up. We're supposed to be eating steak. But God is having to part the gray beard and insert the bottle. And he's like, when are you going to grow up? This is basic stuff. Like at two years old, I understand that. But at some point, we have to mature and get off the bottle and get on a good, healthy meat and potatoes diet. But the reason that we don't sometimes is there's some things that get off. There's some things that we don't have quite straight. And it's that old flesh nature. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the first step towards all kinds of sin. Some people have even turned away from God because of their love for it. And as a result have pierced themselves with many sorrows. Thus, 2,058 scriptures. But what people don't understand is money is not sinful. God does not speak against money, He speaks against the love of money. God does not care if you have money, God cares if money has you. So because there are misconceptions, because all of us are on different levels in here spiritually, some of us are too. Some of us have literally been saved a week, a month. Some of us have been saved for 25 years. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you three basics today. I'm going to take the cookie jar and I'm going to sit it on the bottom shelf today so everybody can reach the cookies So I am going to give you some more mature dialogue, but I'm taking the cookie jar and I'm going to place it low so everybody can understand. So some of you may know some of these things. Great. Help somebody else get a cookie out of the cookie jar. And if you do know this, I'm sure you're already applying it to your life. This will just be a refresher for you. But I'm going to give you three basics today for us to start with. So let's jump in, shall we? Basic number one, tithe. The tithe. What is the tithe? The tithe is not 10%. The tithe is not 10%. The tithe is the first 10%. The first. Why does God ask for the first? The first shows priority. A lot of times in the Bible we see references that are Indicative of an agricultural society, which is why God would speak so many times, or even Jesus himself would use those analogies and parables and telling stories. And so, what we find out from reading the Bible is the reason God said that we are to give the first calf, the first goat, the first bull, that was their currency. The reason we're to give the first one is because we are believing, God, that that cow is going to have nine more. God, I trust you that this cow will have nine more. What we don't do is say, God, you know what? I'm going to wait till it has ten, and then the one that's been eating all my flowers, I'm going to just give that one to you, God. The one that's annoying me. God says, you trust me with the first, and I will bless you. The rest. The reason he said to give that first is because now we are in a position and a place to say, God, I'm giving you this first, and I'm trusting you for everything else that's to come. My hope and my trust and my faith is in you, not in this cow. Not in this cow producing, but in you who can make this cow produce or shut this cow's womb. God, my trust and my hope and my faith is in you. So tithing is honestly its basic Christianity. I call it 101 of Christianity. Sometimes people say, "Hey, I, I, I'm really generous. I tithe." And I said, "Well, let me, let me be honest with you. I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but tithing is not generous. It's returning to God what's already His. He said, "That one's mine. It never was yours. It's like another man's wife. She never was yours. You can't touch it. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. Same way when you see the, the Israelites leaving Egypt and they're out in the wilderness and they're wandering for all of this time in the desert and finally they get to cross over into the promised land and God says to them, you take Jericho... But you cannot keep any of the spoils because this is the first city you're going to take. The first is mine. You cannot have anything from this city. The rest of the cities, you can. The first one is mine because if you give me the first, I know you'll trust me for the rest. What happened is somebody in the army, his name was Achan, took a few suits, some clothing, some shoes, thought nobody will miss this. God won't care. And he brought a curse upon the entire army, and they lost the next few battles because of what he had done. God doesn't play around with first. To To quote the great theologian Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. God says, if I'm not first, I'm last, and I won't have it. I can never bless an idol. And an idol is anything you put in front of me. We say, God, I want you to bless my finances, but we don't tithe. God, I want you to bless my marriage, but yet we're not living by biblical principles. Or we say, God, I want you to bless my job. I know I hadn't been to church in six months, and I'm glad for this job that you gave me. and It's such a blessing, but I don't ever go to church, and I've disconnected from my family. But God, bless my job. God's never going to bless an idol, so we're going to have to shift things in our life because tithing is basic. Our time and what we do with it, those are basic things. Let me read this to you from Malachi 3.10. What do we do with the tithe? What do we do with the first 10% of our income? It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Where do we bring it? Into the storehouse. Well, what's the storehouse? He's going to follow up and say, That there may be food in where? So the storehouse is where? God's house. (laughs) Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. God never says, Give the tithe. He says you give an offering, but he says you bring the tithe because the tithe is already his. You return it. So we're going to talk about an offering in a minute, but that's anything over and above 10% is an offering. But let's stick on the tithe for just a second because I want to explain some more principles about it to you, to help you. When our kids were younger, we used to go on a, well, we still do, um, we used to go on a family vacation every summer. And we would all get in the car, we would pack up, and we'd go to the beach or go somewhere fun. And one of our favorite things to do is we would always stop by the gas station. Not because we needed gas, but because we needed to load up on some candy. And for me, I have a weakness for this one delicious, amazing thing. And if you don't like these, you cannot be my friend anymore. But Funyuns are from heaven. Funyuns are so good. If you haven't tried them, you haven't truly lived yet. So you need to try Funyuns. So my husband would go into the gas station. He'd buy me a bag of Funyuns and a Diet Coke. And he would buy the kids whatever their favorite candy was at the time. Our little one, she was into ring pops. Um, Our middle one, he liked the sour stuff, as sour and as gross as it could be. He liked those types of things. And our middle daughter, she had this thing for Skittles, Taste the Rainbow, right? She was all about Skittles. And I'll never forget, he brought out the candy and he gave each person their candy and he looked at her and he goes, hey, can I have one of those? Six years old. She looked at him and she goes, but they're mine. (laughs) And he goes, I just want one. You have a whole bag. And she's like, but they're mine. Like, these are mine. Can't you go buy your own Skittles? Like, these are mine. I, I, these have to last me the whole trip. They're, they're mine. And so he's like, all right, all right, here's what we're going to do right here. We're going to have a little opportunity for a lesson. You are, you're now going to hear preacher, Troy, because we're going to have a conversation. And he says to her, sweetheart, where'd that bag of Skittles come from? She said, you bought them for me? And he said, you're exactly right, I did. And he said, you know what I could do? I could walk in there and I could empty out every pack of Skittles off that shelf. All I asked you for was one. And you couldn't even give me one. He said, I could have so many Skittles where you never want to see a Skittle again in your, a day in your life. I could every day for the rest of your life buy you a pack of Skittles. But I ask you for one, and you say no. He said, this this isn't about the Skittles. You need to understand, Cabal, it was Cabal. (laughs) He said, you need to understand this isn't about the Skittles. This is more about your heart. What you just did is you revealed a heart condition. You know, it's funny to hear that, but how many times... When God says, hey, can I have a Skittle? Here we go. They're my Skittles. He's like, wait, who, who gave you the breath in your lungs to get that job? Yeah. <laughs> who, who literally healed you, saved you, delivered you, and you're arguing over a Skittle? Do you not know I own a, a cattle on a thousand hills? Like, what, what is it? That would get in our minds to not know that the one who gave you the Skittle has a whole lot more Skittles. It's not about the Skittles. But it does reveal our heart. So let's keep talking about this. Where does the tithe go? It goes to the church, the storehouse. Somebody said, well... Um, Can I give uh, my tithe to the church that I grew up in? Because my grandma says, and I'm like, listen, let's talk about this. The storehouse is where you're getting fed. Are you getting fed in the church that you grew up in when you were 16? You're getting fed here. She's like, yeah, you're right, you're right. Hey, can I give my tithe to the TV preacher? TV preacher is not the storehouse. And I promise you, if you get sick and you need to go in the hospital, that TV preacher is not going to come and visit you. There's going to be no life group that comes and gives you a meal train from that TV preacher. It's your church. It's your church family that shows up. Okay, okay, so I'm going to tithe. Do I tithe on my net or on my gross? Like, help help me understand that. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the gross. The gross... Is before they take out your health insurance, which is a bill. It's before they take out your taxes, which is a bill, which goes to pay the streets being paved, which goes to pay for the fireman to show up when you need him because your kids set something on fire. (laughs) It pays our policemen, has our, our public lighting lit, pays for all the things that we use on a regular basis. It's a bill. You don't think so? You try not paying it and see what happens. (laughs) Somebody's going to be collecting that from you because it's a bill. Is that putting God first if we pay him after all of our other stuff comes out? And if you still go, oh, I just, yeah, I just don't see. Let me ask you this. It's just real. For me, it's just real simple. I'm a simple person. Would I rather have a blessing on my gross or on my net? It's really simple for me. I don't get hung up on stuff like that. If there ever was a question, I'm going I'm to give you a whole handful of Skittles before I just give you back one. If there ever was a question. Because I want God to see my heart and go, God, I'm not trying to split hairs that much. And if I am, maybe there's something I need to take a look at that's internally not right with me. And here's the other thing. You know, I was talking about maturity. Maturity. What if you choose not to tithe? That's not on me. I am preaching the gospel. You have every opportunity to go and read the Bible for yourself, to study for yourself. We are not going to say to your kids over there and in, in FH kids, uh, your, your parents don't tithe. Give me back those goldfish. Give me back that apple juice. <laughs> We're not going to do that. That's between you and God. But I would challenge you on this, because sometimes people go, "Ah, I'm just not going to tithe because I don't trust where the money's going. Have you ever heard that before? Do you know what you're saying? You're saying, God, I'm going to disobey you because of what I saw somebody else do. You probably wouldn't buy that from your kids if they said that to you. They disobeyed you because of what somebody else did. And God certainly doesn't buy it either. And if you're going to get hung up on that, then I would suggest you do a couple things. The first thing is if you are planted here and you go here and you've been struggling and you're not tithing because you're concerned about where the money's going, then get a financial statement from the church. It's very simple. Look at it. Figure out. It'll show you right where it's going. And the other thing I'd ask you to do is look around. Look around. You're sitting in a seat right now. $80,000 are what these chairs in this auditorium cost. You're sitting in a multi million dollar building on almost 30 acres of land where a multi site church, who is live streaming across the world right now, you see where the money's going. You see it. You shouldn't have any question. When your kids go over there and they're standing for the prize hub to get their free toys and their free gifts and their free candy, you see where it's going. When we have Mother's Day or Father's Day or Christmas Eve and we spend tens of thousands of dollars to have animals out there, free hot cocoa, free cookies, a free experience at all of our campuses for everybody, for the community, you see exactly where the money's going. It's going to reach people. When we build medical clinics in Ghana, you see where the money's going. When you say, man, I really wish we could get this parking lot paved, and it's $300,000 for what we call black gold to paint that many acres, you see where the money's going. So might I submit to you that's really not the issue. That is just a scapegoat. Maybe God needs to call our bluff today. Maybe it's not really our issue. Maybe the issue is we have a trust problem that we have kept and held on to for a really long time. And God is saying, hand that over. Because if you can't trust God with your finances, how can you trust him for your family? Something that's way, way more important. How can you trust him for your salvation? How can you trust him in other areas if we don't in some of the simple areas that we can quantify and qualify. Let's go to the next thing. The offering, basic number two. Basic number one was the tithe. Basic number two is the offering. What is an offering? Somebody told me one time, said, "Um, I tithe 25% of my income. And I said, no, you you don't. Tithing, the word tithe means 10th. You cannot tithe any more than 10%. What you do when you go over that ten percent is then called an offering. And you see offerings all throughout the Bible. Many a times it was to build buildings, which is what we often do, which is what Kingdom Builders is about. You know, it's millions of dollars. It's about four point five million per campus to build a building. That's a significant amount that doesn't just come out of our annual budget. That is extra dollars that we have to raise in order to see those things established. But you know, I got a text this morning. All of the new people that were at our Lake Norman campus today. Because Central Campus and South End Campus believed for somebody to come who wasn't there already. Lots of people are public figures at that campus that many of us know. But what we don't know is how they're getting their world rocked. How Jesus is literally taking hold of their heart and the impact by putting a campus in that location. So Pastor Troy and I and our team and our board, we set the vision of the church that God gives to us. But do you know who sets the pace? It's the kingdom builders. That's what kingdom builders is. It's those people who give over and above their tithe. Tithing is not generosity. It's returning to God what's already his. Generosity kicks in when we go over into the offering portion. Now, I want to give you the basic number three. It's the last one I want to give you, and I want to tell you why I'm giving you this one. Because I have been saved and serving God for the majority of my life now. I'm 48 years old, and I got saved um, around 11, 12 years old. And one of the things that I consistently have to check myself on um, is not being a giver. I would give the shirt off my back. I've just always been that way. I, that is one of my top spiritual gifts is giving. I have no problem talking about it because I do it. It is very easy for me to talk about that and talk about sex. Both of them are real simple to me. But what is sometimes hard for me is basic number three. That's the receiving, the reaping. It's very easy for me to reap for the church. If someone said, hey, I want to write a million-dollar check to the church, I'm cool with that. But there are times when people have tried to bless us personally, and I've had to, I felt myself, like, cringe a little bit. And whenever I feel myself cringe over anything, I have to go. Why is that? Like, what is going on internally for me? And I can give you a couple of examples of things that I've done. Um, my husband doesn't have this issue. He—he's like, I grew up poor, so I'm fine with you know. <laughs> I don't—I don't have that issue. I wasn't always the giver. I was on the receiving end growing up. I grew up on government cheese, so I don't have a problem. But there was something in me um, that had a problem, and I needed to address it. And I can't say that I'm completely delivered. I can't say that. But I'm way better than where I was. Let me tell you a couple things that I've done. When we were in Richmond and we were moving here to Charlotte, um, I had this little red sports car. My husband and I were both in the banking industry, and we served in a volunteer capacity as youth pastors and college pastors and everything else at our church um, equally, so 40 hours working, 40 hours volunteering, and when we were moving to Charlotte, our kids were really little, and I sold my little red sports car, but I knew that I had to go ahead and finish out a commitment I had made to the church for very, something very specific they were raising money for. Because once we got to Charlotte, I knew it was like full-on church plant and I would probably think twice about that money, right? Because everything was going into getting this church started. So we went ahead and did that. But then it left me without a car. And I just remember praying, saying, God, we just need you to show up big. We need you to show up big. Prayed and prayed for three months. Well, I get this call one day, and it's some friends of ours that were in the church that we were at in Richmond. And they said, are you home? I said, yes. What's going on? They said, we just need to come over. It'll literally take 30 seconds. And I was like, okay. They come over. They drive up in the driveway. They bring a little box, and they sit it on... My kitchen island, and they said, you cannot open this until we leave. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, what the heck is in this box? I see them leave and go down the street, and I open it up, and it's keys to a Volvo, a station wagon, where all three of my kids could fit, completely free. And I called them, and I'm like, you can't do this. You you can't give me your car. And my husband's like, are you crazy? he's like you prayed for three months I was like I know but it's just too big it's just too much he's like this is what you asked God for why would you try to give it back and I said I don't know I need to learn to receive and then it's happened many times through the years but another time was when we moved down here from uh, Richmond my husband lost my wedding ring now, we had gotten engaged when I was 19, and so it was, it was small, it was cute, and it was little, and I knew eventually one day I wanted to upgrade. I thought maybe it could be a side stone. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I didn't think he would lose the whole thing. So now I have no ring whatsoever, and we're getting ready to start a church, and I, I don't have a ring and this gentleman, a jeweler in Richmond, all three of his kids had come up through our youth ministry. He said, I want to take care of you. You've taken care of my kids. You've looked after our family for all these years. I, I want to do this. And I thought, okay, you know, I need to do better at this. But he sends a courier down with my ring. And it wasn't the little one you had to get the magnifying glass out to see. It was a four-carat ring. It's the one that I wear every day. But can I just tell you, I tried to give it back. My husband's like, you a fool, woman. you a fool. <laughs> but there was something that just said, it's too big. It's too much. It just... Uh, And he's like, did you not pray? And I said, yeah. And he's like, does it not say that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask, think, hope, or imagine? So why, when he does, do you try to send it back? And I was like, I don't know. If it was for the church, I never told anybody, oh, don't give to the church. I, like, give. But to me personally, it was hard. And I started thinking, God, what is it in me that needs to be adjusted? Maybe you're in here and you need to adjust your thinking on reaping. Because if you've been sowing apple seeds and you've got tons of apples coming into you, shouldn't you expect that? Didn't you plant the seed? Didn't you water the seed? Didn't you keep the weeds away? Why wouldn't you have an abundance of apples if you're doing what God asked you to do? But here's the thing. When you get those apples, you don't eat them all. You put the first 10% back in the ground, and then you live off the rest. And then you sow again, and then when you get that crop in, you you put the first 10% back in the ground, you live off the rest, and it's called the law of reciprocity. But somewhere, as Christians, we believed some lie that you're supposed to be poor, you're supposed to have nothing, and it doesn't line up with the Word of God. You're either going to need a blessing or you're going to be a blessing. I would rather be a blessing than need a blessing. And let me just tell you, in Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. Let me say that again. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Wealth and greed are not the same. They are not. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, God blessed them and told them to multiply. Multiplication is not synonymous with the devil. It's synonymous with God. So we have to understand it's part of God's plan. It's actually holy. God said, when I created you, I blessed you. We're supposed to walk in a blessing, and I'm not talking about the weird stuff you see on TV. But wouldn't you think it was weird if a farmer went out and sowed acres and acres of corn and got nothing back? Wouldn't you think that was strange? Why do you believe that about Christianity sometimes? God gave Jesus and expected something in return. Even before we said yes, he was hoping that we would. Why? Why does God give us things? 2 Corinthians 9.8, we're going to close it up with this. And God is able to make all grace, every favor... And earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him. And have abundance. Why? Why should we have abundance? For every good work and act Of charity. Will you stand up on your feet? God's plan is to have money serve us, not us serve money. If there was anything in you today and having this conversation, this discussion, made you wince a little bit, there's an undercurrent there, there's an issue there. I would respectfully ask you to take a look at that to figure out what's going on, what area of God. Maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's how you spend your time. God wants to be first in all of them. That's why he instituted the Sabbath. That's why we're here today. Because he said, you give me the first day of the week, I'll bless the rest. That's why we wake up and we read our Bible and we pray. He's saying, you give me the first of your day, I'll bless the rest. You don't wait and tune the orchestra until you've already played. You do it in the beginning of the day. That's why God says, I want to be first in your finances. You don't wait till the end and then just see whatever's left over. Could you imagine you going over somebody's house and them saying, hey, I just really want to honor you. We actually had a month, like a, from a month ago, we have some leftovers in the fridge. We want to give you those today because it was more than what we needed. We ate all we wanted and now we're going to give you what's left. It's not very honoring, but yet we do that with God sometimes. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? If you know that you need to take a look in your life on what's first and who's first, you know that Man, today may have been a hard conversation for you to hear. But sometimes we get pruned because God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to stay the two-year-old not wanting anyone to touch our truck. Screaming, mine, mine, mine. He wants us to develop into maturity. Into a trusting relationship where we say, God, everything I have is yours. Everything. Everything. If you know that's an area that you're going to commit today to work on, not saying you're going to be perfect at it when you leave here today or if you're watching online, but it's an area where you say, God, I am going to work on this area of my life and putting you first. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Awesome. The other thing I'd like to ask you is if you would say today, you know what, I need to put God first in my life. As my Lord, as my Savior, not just some man who died on a cross, but my Lord, my Savior who died for me. I'm not applying certain things to my life. There's been a distance. There's been a gap. And I want to close that gap today. If that's you and you say, I need a fresh start today. I need a do-over. I need to hit the reset button on my walk with God. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? say want to do over awesome you can click there's a hand online you can click that today and we'll pray with you online as well for all those watching we know thousands of people watch every week online and we're so glad that you do can I just say this for everybody to join in and then have you say it loud enough for your help, yourself to hear it say Heavenly Father we come before you right now and ask you for a fresh start, hit that reset button. We believe that you can make all things new. We ask you to come first place in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.